This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. Welcome, everybody, to the Lightning Round Podcast after hours. Jamie, how are you feeling today? I feel pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's a little bit different because we had some time to rewatch the show and uh, come up with another more calculated take than our, you know, right after the game type show. So this is a little bit different. And um, I I just appreciate y'all. This, especially Brandon here, the only show that matters. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. We agree. Yeah. <laughs> Run happy now. Welcome. Feel free to uh, get in the comments, everybody, and uh, set us questions as we're going through this uh, loss from Sunday against the New England Patriots. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, wh- where exactly do you want to start? Because there's a lot of things we could cover here today. Um, I guess coming off of two straight losses, maybe start with whatever positives we saw during the rewatch and kind of Let- work our way backwards. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's up, John? <laughs> All right, so um, let's see. The first thing, uh, let's start with kicker. This is a, somewhere you wouldn't want to start. We, you wouldn't expect Lightning Round Podcast to start with, but I got to say, I know I know he made every one of his kicks, but Dustin Hopkins looks smooth. I had no doubts about any of his kicks, and they sounded different coming off his foot. So that's definitely a, a big positive. Yeah, uh, striped every single one of his kicks, all, all four of them. And uh, I think he made one kick from 48, if I'm not mistaken, made it look easy. Uh, They seem like they cleaned up some of the protection issues on the right side. I don't know if you caught it on the rewatch, but uh, they had uh, Olamete. I forget his first name, but they had Olamete replacing Pipkins on the right side next to Parham. And they didn't have any of those leaks like they they had the first five weeks of the season. So um, much better operation, much better kicking and, Hopefully, we don't have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> uh, we don't. We don't. What other, what other positives did you pull from this game? Uh, I was going to say, I, I thought, you know, the defense has had a really hard time stopping people in the red zone the first five or six weeks of the season. And on Sunday, they had, I think, they forced three field goals in the red zone. They had a turnover, uh, a turnover downs. on downs, mm-hmm. and they forced a turnover around the 30-yard line. So they... You know, they seem like they're they're cleaning things up in the red zone defensively. They're they're starting to get stops when they need to. Um, they showed some opportunistic tendencies, forcing that turnover, yep. punching a ball out on a on a reception uh, early in the third quarter. So, you know, for a team that I think had not stopped anybody in the red zone all season, I could be wrong on that, but I think I'm pretty close um, to come up 
forcing three field goals and get a fourth down stop was pretty good. And a turnover when they were driving. Yep. Which was, yeah. Yeah. Real good. Uh, I, you know, Justin Jackson, of course, had maybe one of the bigger highlights from Sunday, huge run that he ripped off. Maybe one of his best runs of his career. We've been waiting to see that version of Justin Jackson since that Pittsburgh game where he just started rattling off a bunch of yards. Uh, couldn't finish it, but beautiful patience, accelerations, uh, acceleration, and uh, just kind of the uh, glimpses we tend to see from Justin Jackson when he, and that's a big win, he's healthy. Cause he's down yeah. again. Yeah. He showed some explosiveness had a nice jump cut in the hole to beat a linebacker and get out into space. <clears throat> and I would say the running game as a whole uh, was good on Sunday. Eckler averaged, I think six and a half or seven yards of carry. Uh, Jones had a couple big runs um, or Jackson, excuse me, had a couple, had that one big run. Um, they were a little bit too reliant on the run in certain spots, but I thought they ran the ball effectively when they needed to. They got some big splash plays out of the running game and hope that's something they can build on moving forward because they've been able to run in spots, but it hasn't been consistent. And to get big plays out of the running game when the when the passing game is struggling uh, would be it would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, got to mention that big stamp on the game there was uh... – that huge catch by uh, Joshua Palmer in the end zone that they talked about on the broadcast, but practicing with Anquan Bolden the off season. And that did look like a tough catch in traffic by Palmer Anquan Bolden esque. It was beautiful. Yeah. Two defenders right there went up and grabbed it, showed strong hands, pulled it down in the end zone. Big play by Palmer. Hopefully we see more of him moving forward. They they're getting nothing out of Jalen Guyton. I don't know why he's getting the snaps he's getting at this point. Um, for somebody who's supposed to be the deep threat, it seems like he's running a lot of underneath routes and he's running as a decoy more often than not. So uh, hopefully they cycle through that and they get Palmer on the field more because he's bigger. He's a better route runner, bigger, stronger hands, more physical. Uh, I think they're going to need that because they don't create a lot of separation on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And we thought this would kind of work its way out, kind of work itself out as the season progressed. So that, that should be coming sooner rather than later. Craig says, He's listening while he's at his kid's flag football practice. Don't ever say I never did anything for you guys. You, you're always the best, Craig. You know we love you here. So <laughs> no worries about that. But, hey, uh, good job out there, and hopefully uh, your kid uh, does a little bit better than Herbert did on Sunday. Um, so I, when, do we, when do we start talking about the big elephant in the room here and Justin Herbert being uh, brought back down to earth these last two weeks? Well, I think we've gotten through all the good stuff, so – it's yeah. time to go to the bad stuff. <laughs> and Arturo had uh, a point here that we could talk about. Uh, he doesn't think Herbert's been playing that bad. He thinks Lombardi isn't getting him in rhythm. And wide receivers are not are dropping catchable balls. So uh, drops, obviously, a big issue. Uh, Michael Williams had a big drop on a third down. Keen Allen had two drops. One of them came on a third down, which ended up resulting in a field goal at that point. We ha Eckler had two bad drops. One of them hit off his hands, which was a tad late, but is the one that clanked off his hands, and Adrian Phillips got the interception. So, yes, there were definitely a uh, plagued drop day for the Chargers wide receivers on Sunday. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is <coughs> – excuse me. I think the big thing for me really is that Herbert just doesn't seem as sure of himself as he did early in the season. Starting to see a little bit of happy feet. Um more pump fakes, more double clutches, just not as crisp with his reads. I still think he's getting stuck 
on initial reads and not getting through his progressions as well as he could. Now, not that's not on not all on him. The right side of the line has been terrible. They're not protecting him at all, mm-hmm. and it seems like he's dodging somebody in the pocket on every pass play. Um, but they need to do something to help him out. Uh, like I said earlier, the wide receivers are not creating a whole lot of separation. There isn't a whole lot of speed to threaten defenses vertically right now. Um, we've run into a you know a run of teams with bigger, more physical corners who can run. Uh, so they're and. And the Patriots and Ravens are among the more disciplined defenses in the league as well. So they're not going to make some of those blown coverage mistakes that we saw against the Raiders and we saw against the Browns, especially. You're just not going to get those kinds of plays out of them very often. Um, so you need to be able to work your way down the field and get plays in chunks, uh, You know, make plays in the intermediate passing game, more so than the deep passing game. And they're just they're, – they're behind the chains way too much. Uh, second and 10, second and eight, third and eight. They're constantly behind the chains and there's just no opportunity for Herbert to get into that rhythm that Arturo was talking about. And you add the pressure from the right side in and he's having to slide and climb and there's just no time for him to get through those reads. So they've got to do something to help him out. Um, They've got to get to that, that second level of the defense between the linebackers and the safeties more often. Um, The Ravens and the Patriots did a really good job of choking off those underneath passes Seemed like there were two or three guys around Keenan every time he was in the middle of the field on Sunday. Mike was just a non a non factor. Um, they couldn't get the ball to cook. Guys just aren't getting open, and there's no reason to respect the deep ball or the intermediate passing game right now. So safeties are climbing and they're they're attacking those underneath routes because they know there's nothing coming behind them. So uh, they've got to open up the passing game a little bit. They've got to start pushing the ball down the field, and they have to find that deep and intermediate passing passing game to find the holes in those zone defenses that they're seeing. They're just not, they haven't been able to do that so far these last two weeks. Yeah. And Justin Herbert said that uh, he saw a lot of cover two this week, which they weren't expecting. They were expecting a lot of man uh, coming into this game, which um, I have a couple thoughts on first. So for anybody that doesn't know what that means, that means there's two deep safeties and then there's five underneath the combination of linebackers and corners Basically, the Patriots safeties played the deep halves, and then the five combination of the culmination of the corners and linebackers played underneath. So it's five quadrants broken up underneath. So basically, a man's assigned a particular zone. And what I find a little bit peculiar about that statement is this is a lot like the split safety covered shells that Brandon Staley's running on defense. So if anybody knows how to beat that type of zone, it would be a guy like Brandon Staley, who's running essentially the same type of defense. Um, You know, when rewatching the game, which we had the luxury of doing this time around, it seemed like the safeties in the deep half were kind of choking off the sidelines because they knew that Lombardi loves to play outside the hashes and run those plays outside the hashes. In fact, Justin Herbert was one of the most successful quarterbacks playing outside the hashes going into week five, I think five or six this year. So he loves those deep outside throws, but what the the chargers didn't attack was that middle zone right before the safety and right behind the linebacker, which um, I thought was uh, it seemed like it was going to work early on because the third play from scrimmage was that cover two beater. It was that deep dig with Keenan Allen where he went up middle of the field, gave a little head fake, like he was going to the corner broke it outside. It was a dig route, caught him. It was a 42, 43 yard completion. And it was like, 
that's how they're going to roll. In fact, it was on JC Jackson, which seemed like they were working on that for about a week after his comments, which <laughs> I absolutely loved. It, it was petty and beautiful, and I loved every part of it. But it just seemed like they weren't attacking the zones that they had. They were still trying to go outside the numbers a lot, and it didn't work. Um, I don't know what happened with Jared Cook on that pass where he didn't get his head around. That was just kind of bad. But, you know, it, um, what New England did uh, on the rewatch was they disguised it as man, which is something that they were expecting. And then they broke out uh, to their cover two and cover three on Sunday. And it seemed like once the ball was snapped, it was then Herbert had to break down what he was seeing in front of him and then make a play. And it was just almost too much for him. And with the pressure off the right side, which you mentioned, and Staley said he's fine with Michael Schofield and Storm Norton off the right side, but that's just kind of uh, mouth service right now. I mean, what else lip is he going to say? Lip what service, else is he going to say? Yeah. Mouth service, lip service. Uh, what beer is this? Lip service. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got to pretend like he's got confidence in him. But you and I, I mean, you, I, everybody else on this stream, everybody knows that they're having problems off the right side. In fact, there's a new issue, and that is that there were two to three batted balls at the line. I counted three batted balls at the line of scrimmage now off that right side. So they're not only getting pressure, but they're also getting so deep into Herbert's lap that he's not able to get the ball out and they're batting it at the line of scrimmage. So that's another thing. But it just seemed like, you know, they're, they talked about how they had to do this whole uh, revamp of the offense going into halftime, but it seemed to me like they didn't change a lot of what they did. And it wasn't like, you know, the Patriots were like suffocating the Chargers offense, they just were not converting. There were drops and Herbert just wasn't as quick with his reads and he wasn't as crisp as he has been the first couple of weeks of the season. So, um, you know, a little, I, it was a little strange to hear that comment on Sunday, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, definitely some concerns going into <coughs> next week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a second game in a row where, you know, we saw pretty similar game plans and there were really no adjustments at any point in the game. So that's concerning. Uh, you know, you've got Mike, who should be a big weapon in the middle of the field, probably even more so than he is outside. And Keenan's always been effective in the middle of the field. And you would think that Jared Cook would be effective in those seam routes, attacking that that second level that we talked mm -hmm. about between the linebackers and the safeties. So yeah. I think they have the weapons to to be successful attacking those parts of the field, but they have to make the adjustment. They can't. They can't just keep going out and doing the same thing and expecting mm -hmm. it to work. Yeah. This is, you know, this is one of the things that we um that we harped on with Anthony Lynn, right? They didn't make they it was just the same stale game plan every week. They never made any adjustments. There were never any halftime adjustments. The execution was poor. Nothing worked. Well, we're starting to see some of that again, I think, with Lombardi. He's getting stuck in his ways and he's not making adjustments. He was so good the first four or five weeks, but these last two weeks, it's like uh, the, the defensive coordinators have been in his headset hearing the plays he's calling, and they're just sitting on routes waiting for them. Um, and you mentioned getting their hands up on the right side. All their quick passes, for the most part, are thrown to the right side, um, and teams are starting to sit on those too. Push Norton back, get your hands up, knock the ball down. So they've got some adjustments they have to make. And you would hope that some of those things would have been cleaned up during the bye week, but yeah. to this point, they haven't been. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of the uh, hidden message under here to to be come out that flat and to lose there against a team that you should absolutely beat uh, was a tough one. Coming out having an extra week to prepare, but uh, a lot of it comes from the Chargers kind of hurting themselves too.
with the interception yeah. and uh, some two interceptions, penalties at bad times, yep. slowing down drives, drops. or extending drives for the Patriots. Still can't stop the run. Uh, the special teams outside of the kicking, the field goal kicking and the the PATs were awful. I mean, I think uh, Olszewski averaged what twenty yards of punt return. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. four returns for eighty yards. Yeah, um, that's not good. No. Uh, uh, they got really close to blocking a couple punts. Um, Ty Long took a couple hits as he was getting rid of the ball. Are we going to get one of those a game, by the way? I mean, it feels like Ty Long's getting his legs taken out of him like once a game. It does. It really does. Wild. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, your point about the run D that was another thing that I thought was uh, interesting after, uh, the post game conference press conference was, Brandon Staley saying that, uh, you know, the run D did good and mentioned Justin Jones, of course. But, I mean, I, I understand on paper they were averaging 3.6 yards per carry, and that's that's great on paper. But I think when 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 Staley gets back and watches the film, I think he's going to have a different opinion of it because just going back and watched it, they, they used that run game late in that game to just absolutely chew clock late. And on the Patriots' second-to-last drive, uh, they ran 14 plays, nine of them for run plays. They burned seven minutes a clock, and then it resulted in a field goal, which uh, turned it into a two-score game. I mean, they they just ran it as much as they could, and they knew the Chargers couldn't stop it. And Damian Harris, w- if not for two pretty big holding calls, has 100-plus yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I mean, they they almost got lucky that they only gave up, I think it was 80-something yards to Damian Harris, so... It was 83, I think, was 23 it? for 80, something along those lines. But he had 70 yeah. yards, to to your point, he had over 70 yards and runs called back because of penalties. Mm-hmm. So, And I was going to bring up what you mentioned, that last drive where they went down and kicked the field goal to put the game away. They got the ball back with nine minutes left, and they took seven minutes off the clock. And yeah, Mac Jones made a couple throws on third down. But most of that drive was them running the ball right down the Chargers' throats, and the Chargers couldn't do anything to stop it. So um, I don't think the Chargers defended the run particularly well on Sunday. Uh, you can point to that 3.5 yards per average per carry. Great, fine, but they still <laughs> gave up 150 yards on the ground. I think 90 of them came in the second half. Uh, they did not defend the run that well. Hmm. The secondary held up pretty well considering everybody got hurt. Uh, but they did not defend the run well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought those corners did really well once uh, Asante Samuel and uh, Michael Davis went down. Uh, Robert Medina, watch you guys from work. I'm off to see our boys in Philly next week. All right, Robert. Uh, what Herbert should I see out there? You guys are awesome. Keep up the honest opinion. Of course, that's all we do. But what? how do you think they're going to come out against Philly? How is Herbert – is this the bounce-back game? Or are we seeing three – pedestrian performances in a row i don't think the eagles are very good i, I know they I, won big yesterday against the lions but i just lions haven't won a game good what what's that lions haven't won a game so we can't put too much stock in yeah. that yeah uh, i just i think they'll put up some numbers against philly i think they'll score some points um i just i don't think philly has the personnel on defense to stop them particularly if they open up the passing game they just need to get away from these second and ten, second and eight runs. Yeah, uh, they're just they're drive killers, and they need to catch the ball when Herbert hits them. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, let's see. I was going to pull up another question here. Um, so 
Here's Zoner Ellie. Back to back weeks, Staley gets out coached. That's concerning. Are you are you concerned about Staley now? I know we praised him the first couple weeks. Is this concerning? Um I mean, I've been saying this for a couple weeks. From a defensive perspective, I don't think he has the personnel he needs to be able to carry out the scheme he wants to carry out. His scheme worked with the Rams because they had Aaron Donald. The Chargers don't have anything anywhere near that, even with Joey Bosa on the field. Donald, as an interior playmaker, is just completely transforms a defense. So I, I think he's doing what he can with what he has. Obviously, he's got two backups um, on the right side on the offensive line that are killing drives left and right. And he's got his playmakers dropping balls left and right. I think they'll get more out of Herbert. I think they'll they'll open things up a little bit and start pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, so I'm not I'm not worried about Staley yet. Uh, I think his hands are tied. They're not going to go out and make a trade for him. I don't think to to improve the defensive line or the offensive line. He's doing the best he can with what he has, and I, I think he can do a better job of making adjustments in game. And I think he's at some point he's going to have to take a hold of the offense a little bit more and force some changes in philosophy and what they're trying to do and take better advantage of Herbert's skill sets. Uh, just seems like they're bottling him up, but I don't know if it's because they don't trust him or if they don't trust themselves or they don't trust the line or what the problem is, but they've scaled things back considerably since the Cleveland game and they just seem like they're in a shell Yeah, and they need to force themselves out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been a, of course, there's been a steady decline the last two weeks, but I'm not, I'm not worried about Staley yet. No, not, not as good as he's been so far. The one there, thing I will say, uh, and this isn't so much about doubting him, but there was a fourth down. Uh, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. It was when they kicked their field goal to go up 17, 16. They had a fourth and four inside New England's 30, I think. And they had gone for it further out earlier in the game. To me, kicking a field goal there to go up one, you're not going to win that game by one point. I was kind of surprised they didn't go for it. I thought that was a point in the game where they, I think at that point, that was after Eckler's big run. They had only run eight offensive plays in the third quarter and really had not had the ball at all in the second half. It's just another bad third quarter like they've had in pretty much every game so far this year. Yeah. And it seemed like a chance to swing the momentum. I really thought that they they would take a shot there at, at going forward on fourth down just to try to turn the game a little bit. It's what he's done all season, and I was a little bit surprised they got away from it. I don't know if he just got spooked by the way the defense was playing against them or what, but that's a spot where I would have expected him to go for it. Yeah, that's the one where uh, Keenan Allen drops that pass that hits him in the hands. Yep. They end up kicking a field goal. And I'm, Go ahead. I was just going to say, Eckler gets that big run. They've got the ball. And then they complete a, like an 11 yard pass after he gets the run. So they're at like the 39 yard line. What are the next two plays? Two runs to Larry Roundtree for a total of six yards. And it just killed the drive. Um, not who I'd be giving the ball to in that situation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, price line. There's some thoughts on Chris Harris here. Chris Harris looks bad, though. I I do not disagree. He looks washed this year. He did last year. He did not look very good. But uh, I know people were very excited when he was going to return from his injury, but he's been rough. Yeah, he's been bad. Um, he looks slow, just really slow. Oh, yeah. He can't run anymore. No. He looks a lot like what Casey Hayward looked like last year. Yeah. And that was that. I mean, Nelson Aguilar on Chris Harris is just that was an ugly mismatch. And Not a recipe for a, success. No. And Darren was just a tick too late to get there for it. It was it was bad. Uh, John Taylor here. And Peyton, if you're new, welcome, buddy. Uh, I don't recognize your name. Uh, so many holes on this team. This is from John Taylor at the moment. Which one is easiest to fix next week against Philly? I mean, they could trade and that'd be real easy, but uh, they're not going to do that. So do we have to get more realistic than that? Probably have to get more realistic than uh, that. Because <laughs> <laughs> a, tra- a trade could do it. That'd be a real easy fix. Two or three trades would do it. Yeah. Maybe four or five. They need a few. <laughs> that's um, that's probably a little greedy. That, four or five really? trades. Four or five trades? You think that's greedy? Yeah, well... I mean, they need it, but also that's a lot of trades for a team. Easiest to fix this week against Philly. I would say one of the easiest things to do to fix to fix things against Philly is probably to get Chris Harris off the field and give Tavon Campbell more reps. He deserves it. Uh, he certainly does. Yeah. Um, and I would say they need to start stretching the field more and they need to get more playmakers on the field on offense. Big adjustment, Guyton off the field, Palmer in. That was Try to get mind. Palmer 30 to 40 snaps. Um, trying to think of what else. Brendan Hymas at right guard. Start working him in. Him or Calamete. They've, I mean, Calamete's at least played at this level before. One of those two. Um, maybe get some kind of a rotation at guard like they did when they started working in Feeney when they drafted him just to see who kind of grabs hold of the role. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine they're comfortable with with uh, Norton and Schofield both being out there. No. No. So that's, yeah, I was, I was going to say Joshua Palmer for Guyton, but Brendan Hymas in at right guard might be an The other thing they could do is Hymas at left guard and, and kick Filer out to right tackle. That's probably the easiest fix. I don't know if they want two, two rookies playing side by side, but Slater has been so good. And with Lindsley on the other side, you'd think they could help. You could, you think they could help bring, bring Hymas along at left guard. Yeah. T Billy Goat, is it time for Staley to start calling offensive plays? I say no. It's way too early for that mess. I think he's at at some point going to have to start giving a little bit more input, but no, he doesn't need to take over plays right now. Yeah, I'm not sure it's time for him to start calling offensive plays. I do think it's time for them to take a look at how they're operating on first and second down, like they said they were going to do during the bye week, and start actually making some changes. Take a shot down the field on first down. Find that that seam route. Find something at the second level behind between the linebackers and the safeties. Push those safeties back a little bit. Put the linebackers on their heels. Do something to push the ball down the field. They just they're just so stale with those quick underneath routes and the smoke screens and the quick dump offs. And you can see, I, I'm sure it's got a lot to do with the protection right now. Herbert's looking for the dump offs almost immediately. Like mm-hmm. one read. 
boom, dump off. He's completely lost his confidence. They need to do something to get that back and start taking advantage of the arm strength. And, you know, another thing they could do too, get him out of the pocket, move him around a little bit more, maybe design a couple runs for him early in the game, use that speed and that, that six, six frame to create some plays with his legs, get some more bootlegs going. Uh, it just seems like he's stuck in the pocket right now and they're not really doing anything to help him with that. Yeah, a uh, couple design RPOs could really slow down that pass rush if you're stretching those edge rushers outside on those uh, RPOs. I yeah, I mean there's there's definitely room for improvement and they can make changes even without adding new players. Uh, Brandon mentioned co- calling him Con Miller. Von Miller is out of the division, traded to the Rams today for a second third round pick, and Broncos are basically eating Von Miller's entire salary this year. So. Uh, so they gave him away. Yeah, basically for free. Yeah. Yeah, how do you feel about Miller being out of the division? Well, I'm glad the Broncos are selling. Yeah. It's yeah. going to make things easier down the stretch for the Chargers. For sure. I mean, How exciting is, I mean, I mean, we've talked about trades and I, we've voiced our opinions about draft picks and all that other stuff, but how exciting is it to be a Rams fan and know that your team will just always go all in? It's never it takes to win. Yeah. They will never sit on their hands. They'll never sit back and wait and say, we're good enough. They will make blockbuster trades and picks be damned. They'll throw them all in. And uh, everybody's so enamored with first round, second round, third round picks. But I mean, a lot of those players ends up being depth players. And when you can get a future hall of famer on your team, I mean, he's obviously not that caliber now in this stage of his career, but still, I mean, you got to commend that Rams front office. Yeah, I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, if you could trade, I don't know. Uh, Here we go. Ochenna Nwosu and Trey McKitty for Von Miller. Who wouldn't do that? We, we'd we all do it, Jamie. We'd all do it. Um, Armand says, Telesco may need to go in order for Staley to get his ideal roster for the long term. You think that he will get a little bit more grace if Telesco's gone? I think there's uh, it goes a little bit higher than Telesco in my mind. I think they're uh, turning the screws on Staley more than just Telesco. I think even if there's another GM, it's not a outgoing, free-thinking GM. It's a uh, a, a yes-man, if you will, if they got to bring in another GM. Well, I think if they fire Telesco, John Spanos is probably going to wind up being the GM. They've really? been grooming him for that for years. Well, yeah. Okay. Interesting. That would be something. Boy, something would that really bad? Yeah, but something. Boy, would that not be fun? Uh, let's see. Is it time to move Filer to right tackle? I think it probably is, unless they want to try Hymas out there just to see how he does compared to Norton. Um, I just think that they're so hesitant to move to have two rookies side by side on the left side. But at this point, with as bad as the right side is, they're basically playing with a three-man line. So you and how good to. Slater's been makes it a little bit easier for, in my mind. For yes, sure, I think. And like I said, you've got Lindsley next to him making the calls. That should make things a lot easier for somebody like Hymas if he steps yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. If it's not Hymas at right guard, then flip Filer out and then let Hymas be on the left side. And I mean, how how bad must Scott Quesenberry look in practice if? <laughs> He can't what get happened? on the field over over Schofield right now. Yeah, they signed Schofield off the street rather than playing a guy like Scott Questenberry. And put him right into the lineup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, do you think Telesco's going to make any moves during the trade deadline? Knowing him, I feel like he's going to make no moves like he usually does. And I would say you're exactly right. You are correct, sir. Yes. Nothing's going to happen uh, during the trade deadline. It should. It absolutely should. Uh, we, If you didn't listen to our trade deadline podcast, we, we talked about it and why they should even before this loss. But yeah, no, they're not going to make any moves. Nope. Not a chance. Uh, let's see. I'm just picking some other things here. Uh, sorry, let me scroll too far. Secondary seemed far more cohesive before the return of Harris. Yeah, man, we talked about it. That I mean, once Harris came back, it was like everybody was frazzled. Nobody knew where they were supposed to be. They were clicking as a unit with Tavon Campbell in the starting lineup. A lot of finger pointing almost yeah. immediately when he came back too. That's the thing that stood out to me was when he came back, was it against the Browns when he made his return and they had that uh-huh. flat route that went for a touchdown for, I think for the Browns second touchdown of the game. And it was, Asante he's pointing at Asante, Asante's yeah. pointing at him. It seemed like they're ready to go at each other. Yeah. Um, nobody's communicating. It doesn't seem like anybody's really sure of where they're supposed to be. And then Asante got benched later on in that game for he some did. reason. Not that that's Chris Harris's fault. I don't know what happened. I don't think any of us do, but still, very yeah, we agree, Craig. That's it's been wild, and Chris Harris needs to get off the field. He's definitely not coming back next year, but it's it's enough. Tavon Campbell's been great. Uh, Peyton, I listen to you guys' podcasts all the time, but this is my first time watching. Welcome, buddy. Appreciate it. Let's see here. Um, uh, let's see. What's the point of Gabe Neighbors at this point? He was inactive. Has been outused by Anderson. Neighbors was hurt, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he was a healthy scratch is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, but even so, even when he was healthy, Anderson Anderson. was getting most of the play at fullback. Yeah. And I think think Just Tails makes a good point here because Anderson not only is playing a lot of fullback, they've involved him in the passing game at times. He's been one of their better blockers, a fantastic lead blocker. He, I think he makes the offense a little bit more versatile. Um, and they've thrown to neighbors a couple times, but he really hasn't been that involved. So, no. yeah, I I guess they're just keeping him for depth in case Anderson gets sick or they need another fullback. He was supposed to be a core special teamer. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think he's been on the field that much. No, no. And he was kind of that short yardage back last year at the goal line at least. Yeah, maybe he's just there for the brisket, you know? Just him and uh, Justin Herbert can <laughs> hang and cook brick brisket after they win. Uh, Gerald, I hate to do this, but are the Chargers missing T-Billy? Looks like a bad move in retrospect. No wide receiver can take the top off the defense. I say no. I mean, it, I, I understand what you're saying, but he's not the speedster as uh, some gave him credit for. More the long strider type receiver I, I think he's more of a speeder and shiftier than guyton is and he's well, a much better route well, than we weren't comparing those two yes i mean they should have kept him i'm not debating that fact but do you think they're missing him from the offense does t billy add another dynamic to this offense i thought he did last year there we go okay all right yeah i don't know i don't know how much more he would help to be honest but i, I hear what you're saying uh let's see just getting down here Missed a bunch. Uh, what do you guys think of Keenan's post game com- comments yesterday, where he said it's a 
different year, but same old Chargers or something like that. It's, he said it's the same thing every same, year. Same thing we every keep year. Beating that's ourselves, something mm-hmm. along those lines. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big change from him praising um, Staley after the first two or three weeks of the season. Seems like his attitude is changing a little bit. He hasn't been as productive. He's dropping balls. I'm sure he's frustrated with the way he's playing and what the team is playing with the way the team is playing. Um, it's a little disappointing that two straight losses would shake those kind of comments out of Keenan. He's supposed to be one of the team leaders. I'm sure guys are looking to him for, you know, to keep them up, keep them going. So hopefully he shakes out of it starts making more plays and his, his attitude picks up, but that that's a little concerning. You wouldn't want to hear that from one of your veterans so early in the season. Yeah. All right. I think, uh, see if you guys have any more questions go ahead and uh, stick them in there uh why t billy saying why doesn't lombardi like to throw beyond the sticks i don't know if that's lombardi i think it's um uh at least on sunday it was because of um herbert being rushed and just kind of taking the check down too often well there there are times he doesn't throw beyond throw beyond the first the the line of scrimmage so that was early on in the season for sure it's still it's happening to an extent on early downs. That's part of the reason why they're so inefficient on early downs. Um, it seems somebody said it in the chat. It seems like he's running the offense like Breeze is still throwing the ball, as opposed to calling the offense for for Herbert. So that's a little bit disappointing. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the protection issues. Again, they don't have a lot of time to get the ball down the field, um, but they could get him out of the pocket to buy him some more time to make those plays. So they've got to they've got to help him more. They've got to get him in a rhythm early, keep him in that rhythm, and do more to help him to get the ball down the field and make bigger plays with that arm. Take advantage of the talent you have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to probably cut this one short. I think uh, we're pretty good. If there's anything else you want to add about the game in general. Uh, No, I think we covered everything. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. A little short one today, but thanks for joining us live. Uh, as you see, I'm at Garrett Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.